Welcome to Dazer Update for November 28th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Logie. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Dan Red Victoria. And yeah, being a holiday weekend, there's not a ton of news this week. Uh, we have some dates for various things. Uh, an acquisition mm-hmm. uh, and a couple of Xbox news and a little bit of more Activision Blizzard news. And then we'll follow it up talking about uh, the consoles that have had major anniversaries this year. Mm-hmm. At least the ones that have been within the uh, last 20 and 15 years. Yep. There. So uh, we'll have a, a good bit there to talk about. So before we get to that, we'll talk about what we've been playing. And I'll kick it off here. Uh, been playing a bunch of stuff. I've uh, been playing some more Tales of Arise. Mm-hmm. Uh, working my way through that. I'm still fairly early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically went through a couple of uh, bigger open areas uh, as you get to the sort of, uh, uh, I forget what the, the second slave town. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of get back and uh, your guy... He was kind of uh, uh, pissed at them, uh, the the Renans attacking mm-hmm. uh, the slave village you just came from. Yeah, uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just got to the point where we're getting the uh, skill point upgrades, mm-hmm. give you some more moves for your combos, that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's been pretty good. Not really much else to say about it at the moment. I think we're going to be. Mm. Heading out to whatever the next big thing is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, getting through that. Uh, I picked up Guardians of the Galaxy yesterday from mm-hmm. Best Buy. Uh, it's one of the Black Friday deals I got. Yeah. And started it up, uh, played maybe, uh, I think, probably about an hour's worth of it. But most of that was uh, sitting and listening to the Star Lord album that they have you playing in your, and as you go like through this moment as a kid listening to uh, this album of I think it's all stuff that was made for this game uh, mm-hmm. by a band that calls themselves Star-Lord yep. that uh, is pretty good stuff pretty good sort of 80s style rock and roll mm-hmm. stuff there but yeah eventually moved on to the game itself which like in a bit so far it's kind of weird that the it's not a left trigger, right trigger kind of shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just aim with the right stick and uh, pull the right trigger for that uh, mm-hmm. to shoot. Which I just got through the the fun little bits in the early part where uh, you're in a competition with rockets to shoot up all these like beetle nests or whatever, these bugs that uh, would eat these uh, ships you're going through. Uh, these mm-hmm. like wreckage remains of sorts that uh has been a pretty fun time uh still working my way through that so uh I'll have more to say about it next time but uh another game I got from some Black Friday stuff was a game called Hoa uh HOA mm-hmm. which is a uh 2D platformer uh more in the vein of like a it's kind of a very low stakes kind of platformer Mm-hmm. Uh, to it that is uh, very artsy, kind of has a little bit of like a Studio Ghibli vibe to the art style to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of just going around uh, collecting these butterflies 
uh, and then doing a couple of things to activate whatever like a uh, big character is in that area mm-hmm. that then teaches you uh, a special move once you get all the butterflies to uh, let you get to the next area. So you get like a double mm-hmm. jump, uh, the ability to push these like rocks around, uh, you know, open up other areas or give you some better leverage, uh, that kind of stuff. And uh, the new one I got is this like, uh, they call it like a stomp move, but it's mm-hmm. like you like land on these uh, leaves that are the main platforms you see throughout Uh that kind of springboards you up a bit higher. So that's what kind of, it's a fairly low stakes kind of game. I think it's maybe like a three hour game. Mm -hmm. So it's not super long, but uh, it's been pretty good so far enjoying it. So going to keep going with that. Uh, The thing I streamed today was deer simulator. Mm -hmm. It just came out the very weird, uh, I guess you would call it an action game of sorts uh, where you're mm-hmm. controlling a deer that's in your sort of natural form. You kind of walk around on all fours, that kind of stuff. Uh, then you just uh, they go through the, the controls real quick and then you're able to uh, pick up guns, which just attach to your deer's body. You can start just shooting and you can pick up multiple types of guns they just all wrap around you mm-hmm. uh, you can just attach grenades that you just start every time you shoot you're just constantly throwing out grenades uh, though if you want to get around quick you can hold down the left trigger and that goes into your human form I guess mm-hmm. uh, where you kind of get up on your two hind legs and just book it around the map you can jump super high uh, you can even do some melee attacks with that, which you can find some swords around the map uh, that mm-hmm. you can pick up and use in that form. Though once you go back to your regular form, you're kind of uh, dropping that sword, so there's not really much use there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seems like the the main thing that you're doing in this game, in these maps, is you're kind of destroying buildings and such. Uh, you can deerify humans that gives them antlers and they follow you around and like fuck shit up for you as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And every time you rank up, it tells you like, tells you the, the, the deer zaster level is at, mm-hmm. it starts at E and you blow a bunch of shit up. It goes to D and then the first wave of cops comes out, uh, which in this first map was sheep. Uh, mm-hmm. second wave was uh, these pandas that have cop car on their back that come running at you uh, the third wave was a uh, I was a rabbit that was called the ear walker which walked on its ears essentially but had a big gun to shoot at you uh, and you get to the final form the final level the uh, the big giant cop corgi shows up in this one part of the map. And when you go over there, uh, it morphs into a like big giant, almost kind of, uh, what is the, the mech show with the, the morphing parts mm-hmm. that has the, I forget what the anime show is, uh, Voltron. Like a, yeah. 
sort of like that. But the 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 creatures I just described as cops all morph into one giant cop. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. mech, but it's made of these various parts, like the sheep or the feet. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, the corgi is like the main head. Uh, the pandas are the like shoulders, arms, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. You kind of shoot the 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 feet to knock it over, uh, and then you want to shoot the cop the cop cars to flip them over, and they got buttons. But I couldn't really hit them, so I had to f- go explore the map and found this whole uh, area nearby that had a had buttons with different animals on them. There's a rhino already on the rhino button. There's one for the deer, uh, one for the mm-hmm. cow. So I had to go look around. I found this basketball court with cows on it. So I rode the cow over, which meant that it was uh, flying around with its udders. Like its udders were the, <laughs> the rocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard to control, but eventually got it over there. And what came out was what they called metal deer. A big mm-hmm. mech suit made of animals that you could wear and uh, use to take on uh, this cop uh, Ultra, Voltron form. Uh, which went pretty well uh, from mm-hmm. that point on, mm-hmm. but you had the you kind of do that. Uh, there's lots of weird stuff around these areas to to look for. Definitely worth kind of exploring. But once I completed that, then I went to this other area that needed me to drag the dead corgi corpse onto this button. Uh, then the deer on the other one, and it opened up a portal to, I think it said the future, which is like a mm-hmm kind of Japanese metropolis kind of city <laughs> but then had uh and then had like a essentially like had these guns and such that you would collect here uh form like a mech suit complete mm. with getting like rocket boosters and all this kind of stuff uh to mm-hmm. kind of keep doing it but I kept getting messed up with the there's a big like symbol clapping monkey mm-hmm. that would show up at, at a certain point and that thing was just fucking me up real quick <laughs> uh the the last time I thought I had it, uh, but got stuck on something and it just destroyed me. So, uh, it's a completely silly and ridiculous game that uh, I am looking forward to put some more time into. It's one of those games. It's like it's very janky and weird, but the enjoyment of seeing like what new ridiculous stuff it does uh, mm-hmm. is pretty well done. So I'm looking forward to put some more time in that. That is on all the consoles and PC. Uh, it is also on Game Pass, so if you have that, you can check that out. But yeah, that is a, uh, I guess twenty bucks, uh, everywhere else. So uh, definitely worth checking that out. And the other game I've been playing a good bit of is Halo Infinite. As uh, been just put more time into it, trying to get the handle on the. Uh, the new events and the multiplayer battle pass stuff. And yeah, still not liking the way the battle pass is set up and the event just kind of adds to it, how underwhelming it is. Cause the, the challenges just for the event are also mm-hmm. uh, fed into the, uh, the challenge list that you get the battle pass stuff in. So there have been times where oh, I had to complete uh, some more challenges for the the battle pass to uh, be able to actually progress on the event uh, where you're working towards this like samurai armor mm-hmm. and 
it just feels like they've made this stuff so tedious compared to most other games I've uh, played of this type. Like Rocket League, I think, does all this stuff very well. Doesn't introduce any arbitrary limitations to this stuff that they need to go back to the the drawing table on this stuff because it is just a just an annoying and tedious way of doing all this stuff that I hope uh, they do. They keep saying oh, it's a beta still, it's a beta, which yeah, but you're also taking money for all this stuff. Uh, so uh, you're taking money for stuff. You need to be listening to feedback and acting on it, and not just trying to you know introduce a huge grind, which is just part of their design at a certain point. Because I think they announced the end of the battle pass is not gonna. The battle pass is not going to end until May, uh, so yeah. it's just annoying. But that's been pretty yeah. much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Uh, well, I finished uh, my playthrough of Dishonored, so I went ahead and decided I was going to uh, go and do a new playthrough of Dishonored Two, um, which is a game you know I've never finished, much like the first one. I played a little bit of it and enjoyed it, but never got too far. Um. It basically plays almost exactly like the first one, um, with just you know slightly better graphics, and the environments are a little bit more elaborate. So you have more you know scaffolding and ledges and stuff you can use to hide in. You also are given more um, abilities to use, so you can sneak about a bit better. There's uh, one particular ability that'll let you basically turn into a shadow for a moment, um, so you can stealth around a little bit easier. Um, but otherwise, the whole thing of you know having a particular target or a particular task to do and trying to finish it without causing as much chaos as possible, and you know with that as little bloodletting as you can get by, um, it's still pretty much the same. Um, it's the, it's definitely part of the big difference is that unlike in the first game, you're basically in a different part of the universe of this game's world, which is more of a tropical part of the empire. So it's a bit sunnier, you know, it's, you know, it's based around a harbor, you know, it's, of course it's, it's, you do immediately realize that this is a fishing village uh, that is specifically dedicated to whaling because the moment you step off the boat and you step into the harbor and, like, the reservoir of the harbor is just covered in blood. And you find out, oh, it's one of the whales that they get the whale oil from that they're uh, slaughtering, basically, and, you know, processing. Um, but, yeah, definitely great game. Um, after playing all this, I realized how much I want to play Death now, because I found out recently that uh, Deathloop kind of sort of takes place in the same universe as Dishonored does. Um, but we'll get to that. Uh, keeping up also with uh, other games from Arcane, I got further into Prey 2017. Um, it's, once again, it's, of course, the big difference with Prey 2017 is on like in Dishonored, you're not really penalized with the amount of violence that's involved because you kind of have to. Um, 
The only difference is they do penalize they do sort of penalize you if you end up killing other humans. Uh, most of the enemies that you encounter in the game are, you know, the aliens. Um, but uh, still a lot of fun. I love the design that they use, the kind of combination of like art deco and brutalist aesthetic that they use for various parts of the uh, of the place. Um, and also because you know I have my PS Now subscription, I also decided to play a little bit of uh, Kingdoms of Amalur: The Re Reckoning. <laughs> um, and you know I played Kingdoms of Amalur back when it originally came out and really enjoyed it. Um, it's you know it's a pretty solid action RPG um, with a you know, pretty good combat system and you know the art direction is decent and the world direct and the world design is decent. But in hindsight, I can kind of understand why this game didn't really take off because it is kind of generic um, in a lot of ways and you know also you know. Considering that it was meant to be sort of like the prelude to a MMO that never really happened and, you know, ended up conning the people of Rhode Island out of millions of dollars in tax money, I can kind of understand why um, this game has kind of fallen by the wayside, you know, fallen into the memory hole, as they say. Um, But if you do get a chance, you know, it's definitely something worth playing at least once. if nothing else, then seeing a part of gaming history. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been playing. So, Dan Rebel, what about you? Yeah, I've still been on um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I just finished Chapter 11, so I'm thinking about six chapters in left. Um, and, yeah, the, the story has gotten to a point where it's like, I would actually put this maybe even slightly above... Um, the Insomniac Spider-Man games, assuming that it keeps going on the way it does. Um, it gets to a point where, like, uh, Peter Quill has to, like, you know, um, really go deep with each of his uh, comrades as part of the Guardians of the Galaxy to really, you know, uh, know who they are. And there's really some character development that goes on here. And the, the, the storytelling so far has been really, really good. Again, my complaints go back to the way the combat works, but, like, you know, as far as what they have, like, this is the B game that I really, really wanted um, out of this, uh, you know, what, what what looks to be a series. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we continue to have that forward m- momentum going. And, like, um, this recent Black Friday sale should really help it out. Like, I, I, I see Chris, like, uh, pretty much got started on his. And, yeah, I'm really liking the game so far. I don't know if it'll be my, be in my top ten, but I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I was hoping I'd be done by now, but like, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, but that's pretty much it there. Um, also putting some time into Pokemon Pearl. Um, uh, I should mention also that I installed my uh, Switch OLED a couple weeks ago or last week. And uh, um, as you guys um, or as I've told in, 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 the, in the previous episodes, like I bought the Monster Hunter Switch. So as far as like replacing my original launch switch, um that was an experience like it was easy but the act of like having to re-download all the games you have especially if you have a a larger memory card already is a pretty tedious like having to go through like you know your old downloads and re-download them again sleeping overnight and seeing that you aren't done with the download is pretty like you know demeaning to your time but yeah i totally get it and i totally see myself falling in the same pit hole if um if nintendo releases an oled 
Zelda Switch model, which I know I'll totally fall for. Um, but yeah, so Pokemon Pearl uh, is pretty much like what it was in 2007. I'm not as interested just because like, you know, obviously I've played through the game already and I wouldn't call it timeless, although I would say that the region of Sinnoh is definitely one of the more interesting ones. Uh, I've gone to a point where I can explore underground and the underground areas in uh, Pokemon, um, you know, Shining Pearl and Brilliant Diamond, or I don't even know if I said it in reverse, but um, the underground areas are reminiscent of the wild areas in which you will run into Pokemon that are way stronger than your team. So it's a good way to like not only catch strong Pokemon, but also really give yourself a sense of challenge that was never in the original games. Um, so I really appreciate that. But yeah, I'm I'm two badges in. Um, I haven't gotten to a point where I've decided whether or not I want to finish it. But like Pokemon is one of those games where, you know, you can play it while doing anything. Like the the, the story is never tremendously like involved or anything. And like, um. One thing that, so I'm actually one of the people that really enjoys the chibi art style of the game, but I wish it really adhered to it more. Like, you see it in traditional gameplay, but as soon as you get into a battle or a cutscene, um, the chibi graphics are gone and they pretty much like replace it with like your traditional game freak, you know, uh, anime look. And while it still looks nice, especially on the Switch OLED, um, I, I just wish like they adhered to their art style more. Like, It'll draw a lot of comparisons to uh, the remake of Link's Awakening, just because it's it's it looks that similar in that way. But you could tell that a lot more care and love and attention was put to Zelda, whereas this, I don't know, it 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 just doesn't seem as important, which is unfortunate because like like I've said in previous episodes, like the the lore in this particular entry in the series is fantastic. I just don't think the game itself, as of right now, does it any justice. Um, and it might be the case where I'll appreciate it more when Legends Arceus comes out early next year. But, like, so far, I'm just going through the motions as with, like, any traditional Pokemon game. Um, at the same time, I know it's Baby's first RPG, and I really shouldn't expect any real evolution as towards, as for, like, you know, the progression of the series, just because it's, like, they have an established way and it'll sell anyway. But yeah, as as an older Pokemon fan, like I appreciate it, I, I I would appreciate it more. But at the same time, I also understand why they're making the decisions that they're making. So yeah, that's about it there. Um, I'm getting a lot of my Black Friday purchases in. So uh, my new copy of Death Loop came in, uh, Tales of Arise, and uh, the new Demon Slayer. But I haven't popped them in yet, just because I want to I want to make sure that the Cyber Monday sales don't actually beat that price. So once we get through with Monday, I'll definitely put some more time in gaming. So that's about it for me. All right. So, yeah, let's get to some news, at least a little bit that we have here. Uh, we've got a couple of dates for games that are coming out pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up here, 12 Minutes is coming to the other platforms. Uh, PS5, yeah. PS4, and Switch on December 7th. Mm. Uh, so if you haven't had a chance to check that out, you can check it out here next week. Yeah, next Tuesday. Uh, for that, I assume it'll be probably about the same price, about 25 bucks there for that. So uh, pretty decent little adventure game, uh, time loop yeah. adventure game there. I've uh, Yeah, I've heard people who like it, and I've found others who think that some of the plot turns are kind of absurd. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're... Uh, 
uh, mileage may vary, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, there's that. Uh, let's see. A game that kind of uh, got a date out of nowhere, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, is going to be launching mm-hmm. on December 13th. Yeah. That'll be PS4, Switch, and PC uh, for 20 bucks there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the sort of uh, puzzle-ish uh, Shovel Knight game. Mm. Uh, so that is uh, pretty neat. I'm looking forward to that. Let's see. Also coming out... Uh, the next day, December 14th, Asteroids Recharged. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked a bit about these Atari uh, classics kind of getting remake uh, versions on all the new consoles and PC and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. This one's the latest one here, Asteroids Recharged, kind of bringing it to like a uh, 16 by 9 aspect ratio mm-hmm. uh, with uh, some special abilities and such in there. Uh, so that's uh, looking pretty neat. If it's like the others, I think it'll be 10 bucks for that. So uh, you can check it out on your console or platform of choice mm-hmm. for that. Uh, it's kind of the surprise uh, announcement of the week that uh, IO Interactive announced that they are doing a year two of Hitman 3 mm-hmm. uh, with a bunch of new content that starts on January 20th. Uh, let's see. It's going to have new maps, new story, new modes, and uh, new ways to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they they announced that the World of Assassination trilogy has reached a milestone of 50 million players. Mm-hmm. And Hitman mm-hmm. 3 is the most successful Hitman game in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great to hear uh, for them. Uh, yeah, it seems like... Because uh, the first year of content for Hitman 3 was kind of... Uh, a bit more subdued. It was a lot of just here's uh, the same maps, but with some uh, new stuff on them. Nothing really too amazing uh, about it, but if you wanted more of it, you could get that. The the stuff was all tied to the uh, uh, the various sins, greed, mm-hmm. gluttony, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, they also mentioned that they're bringing ray tracing to the PC version. Uh, also be doing support for VR on the PC version as well. Uh, it's just been on the PlayStation 4 version before now. Uh, let's see. They're also doing a new mode called Elusive Target Arcade that allows you to take on Elusive Target challenges uh, that changes up the established formula a bit. They don't have anything uh, concrete to say about it other than it's a permanent addition to the game, so more permanent way to play that stuff uh, without just having to get on the the week or so that it's available. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And then they mentioned spring 2022. we got a major update to the game planned, but uh, just title this section redacted, so uh, something surprised to have there. But uh, yeah, that's some cool news for Hitman 3. I do need to get back to that and play that some more here, but uh, yeah. Uh, then we got a game that just got announced for the Switch, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Yep. It'll be coming April 12th, 2022 in the West. Uh, April 14th in Japan. Yeah, they had uh, announced a Switch port a while back. Um, it kind of got lost in the 
kind of, it kind of got well, didn't get lost, but it kind of got delayed for a little bit, mostly because well, COVID is a big part of it, but also because um, the game originally didn't sell that well when it first uh, was put when it you know was first released, and it kind of became a it became one of those things that kind of started to sell by word of mouth. But um, yeah, if uh, yeah. Re- my review and you'll know what I think of it. It's an amazing game. Um, probably some of the best storytelling I've seen in a game in this generation. Um, up there with like Disco Elysium. It's really good. And it's one of those things where it's like these all these random threads couldn't possibly be connected, but no, it somehow this game manages to connect every single thread at the end of the game in ways that you could not possibly imagine. It's amazing. Yeah, and uh, I did mention that it has reached 500,000 units shipped Mm -hmm. in digital sales. Yep. So doing pretty well for the the sort of game Mm -hmm. that it is. Yep. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, let's see. Let's get to some other news. Dead Cells is getting a cool update. Mm-hmm. I think it's live on the PC right now, but it will be coming to the consoles at a later date. Uh, they're calling it uh, Everyone is Here. Mm-hmm. As in, they're bringing a bunch of uh, stuff from other indie games that you've probably heard of. Let's see, there's Hollow Knight, Hyperlight Drifter, Blasphemous, mm-hmm. Guacamelee, Skull Hero, the Hero Slayer, Slayer, mm-hmm. and Curse of the Dead Gods. So you'll be able to get some sort of weapon or ability from each of those characters. Uh, maybe some special uh, bonuses as a result of that. Like the, the Guacamelee one mentions that you'll turn into a chicken for a few seconds, firing several explosive eggs around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see the, the Hollow Knight one. You can attack upwards and downward. Attacking downward while airborne causes you to bounce on your enemies, dealing critical damage. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Got some neat little stuff. Uh, let's see. To access it, you need to complete the challenges from a new book at the start of the game. New character mm-hmm. unlocks for every finished challenge. Weapons and skills are found in lore rooms. A new area in the game. So still adding some new content to that game, which is pretty cool. Yep. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, this one. Epic Games has acquired a new developer, and it is Harmonix, uh, mm-hmm. which is not really surprised. They have ties to Epic. Oh, uh, yeah. Ties that go back a few are, years. <laughs> yeah, a number of their former people now work at Epic Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, this is good news just for giving uh, Harmonix some stability. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they'll be doing some cool stuff for uh, Fortnite as well, like expanding their the musical stuff they've been doing in that game for a while. Now, so that'll be cool to see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, good to see those guys kind of get some more sure footing that they haven't had in since maybe around like the rock band two days mm-hmm. when they were owned by Viacom. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm glad. Glad that uh, Harmonix is in good hands, um, and I hope that you know their next uh, project will end up you know succeeding <laughs> better than you know Rock Band Three did. And they had what uh, Fuser, 
that came yeah. out a year or so ago. That was seemed really cool for what it was. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that news. Mm-hmm. We got a couple of Xbox stories here as sort of part of their 20th anniversary celebrations. They put out this mm-hmm. neat little virtual museum site that you can go to. I think it's museum.xbox.com. Mm-hmm. That you can go through and watch a bunch of uh, stuff related to each of the consoles mm-hmm. that they've released. Uh, the Xbox One was, uh, or the Xbox original, as they say here, it's the original Xbox because there's already an Xbox One. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, there's like uh, prototype stuff in there, a lot of design ideas for the Xbox controller originally, which very much looked like they were just mm. copying the Dreamcast controller. Yeah. And then like you the remember, yeah. And then you remember the original uh, controllers for the Xbox that they did put, put out <laughs> and remember how unbelievably unwieldy those things were. Yeah. And, uh, I went and looked at a bunch of the stuff that was on there, and then I looked at the the one that's your personal museum that has a bunch of stuff about, like, ah, oh, here's what uh, your first games were on the on Xbox Live, at least as part of the 360, mm. which had some weird stuff to it. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think when it was like, ah. Oh, I didn't want to mention that Sneak King was the first 360 game that I played. <laughs> uh, I think it just mentions Project Gotham Racing 2. There's also like one major event in uh, Xbox 360 they probably don't bring up. Or do they bring it up? It, I'll, I'll be surprised if they do bring it up because it was literally... A, yeah, the Red Ring of Death. It was, the, it was an epidemic it, for that system. Yeah, but They don't mention it in realistic terms. <laughs> like, oh, here was this this point where we had to, you know, take some returns uh, to, <laughs> to fix a, a flaw with the systems, mm-hmm. original systems. Mm-hmm. But that was over by 2011. Then you think mm-hmm. it's like that was six years later. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking through this thing now, and it's like uh the let's see. Yeah, so the first login of each system, of each console, 360, Xbox One, and Series X mm-hmm. slash X. And the Xbox One doesn't have anything for me. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I had an Xbox One. I got it uh, the December after it launched and mm-hmm. had a One X as well. So I don't know why it's acting like I didn't have any of that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the first game per console, which mentions Xbox One on here, is Rise Son of Rome. Again, it's saying Project mm-hmm. Gotham Racing 2 is my first game on the Xbox 360, which is not not actually mm-hmm. true. Uh, I mentioned, like, oh, here's your first achievement. It's one called Winner, which, like, what the fuck does that mean? It doesn't have any mm-hmm. other information for, like, what game was that for? Uh, but it does mention for me my most played game was NCAA Football 09. Mm-hmm. My top five most played games uh, doesn't seem to have these in any order because that NCAA Football is in the middle. Uh, mm-hmm. And so football nine, ten, eleven, NBA two K eleven, and Madden NFL eleven. Mm-hmm. Like as you like, here's your most rare achievements. And I have to look them up to see what it is. 
Uh, the most played game each year for the last five years is pretty interesting. It's like not the games that anybody would think. Uh, mm-hmm. This year it's Outriders. Last year, Fantasy Star Online 2. Mm-hmm. The Outer Worlds. The year before that, Fallout, Shelter, and then Clicker Heroes. Like, oh, here's some bullshit games I played most of the time I was on it. And to give you a little thing to uh, put out. I found it funny. They were talking about uh, Xbox Live Arcade uh, as being like, oh, this, this is in the, on the original Xbox. It's like a disc thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching other videos. Like, it was about gamer scoring. It's like, oh, yeah, when anybody looks at how you do these... Uh, these achievement stuff on everywhere else, they all call them gamer score. I'm like, no, they don't. Nobody calls it gamer score except Xbox. Nobody else does points like Xbox mm-hmm. does. There's trophies. Steam has just here's the number of achievements you have. And I was like, there's a little bit of them just kissing their own ass mm-hmm. at times, pushing themselves up a bit more than maybe they should, but it's a neat little site. If you want to learn a little bit about history and all that of mm-hmm. their systems and some behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. So uh, can... pretty neat. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty cool um anniversary thing. Um I always get a kick out of the the stats that the uh, big three make as far as like what we do year to year. Um but this is actually like, you know, the first time that they've done something as far as a generational shift, and I really appreciate that. Um, obviously I started off with the Xbox 360 and it wasn't even like a real like thing that I needed to have. Um, I was just able to buy an elite console for like a hundred dollars when it came out. And it was funny because like looking at all of my most played games, um, none of them were were really Xbox exclusives. Um, aside from the Xbox one where my most played game ended up being, uh, Ori two. Um, but aside from that, like, uh, various versions of Madden like top my lists uh, with everything I, I walked on. So that was pretty cool. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when I looked at mine, I was on mobile. So it was pretty cool, like walking my little character around like the little microchip set using the uh, the the on screen analog stick. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if this is actually available on one of the Xbox consoles. Uh, I've never checked, but. It definitely was pretty cool to check out. You probably have to go through the browser for that. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything native for that. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that thing. You kind of go through it and look at look through it, see what your personal stat stuff is, and mm-hmm. uh, see some of the little videos they did for the history of their consoles and different things they did about it. So. Yeah. That's neat. Uh, and then it's, you know, Black Friday just happened. Still kind of in the process of happening in some ways with the way these sales are going, but mm-hmm. uh, it seems like the best-selling console for Black Friday here in the U.S. Uh, is not maybe one that you would expect, but the one that's probably the most plentifully plentifully available, uh, the Xbox yep. Series S. Yeah. It's partly because it's of all the you know the consoles that are available it's the one that they can actually keep in stores pretty much yeah. uh, both versions of the PS5 have sold out pretty much as quickly as they are introduced on the market and the Xbox Series X is well it also 
gets bought up pretty quickly too. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually walking around Target the other day, and I actually saw Xbox Series S consoles in the in their display case. So I was like, "Oh, I wonder if people are actually buying this one." But I guess this uh, little study here asks, uh, answers my question. I mean, I actually mm-hmm. have an Xbox Series S myself, and I've never even opened it yet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I know I've been getting emails on occasion from Microsoft, like, "Oh, you want to buy a Series X?" Uh, and it, but it's forced bundle. So yeah, you have to get a uh, a digital game with it and an extra controller. Mm-hmm. It's like almost six hundred bucks. I'm like, oh, I don't need yeah. that much compared to the base price, which is only what like three hundred, four hundred dollars. Yeah, three hundred for the the Series S. Yeah, I kind of need the money for more important things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the upgraded version of the console I already have. Mm. So yeah, that's uh. That's that for the Xbox news. Let's get to the Activision Blizzard stuff. There's been a few more bits of uh, news of just some kind of more bullshit that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bobby Kotick seems to have talked to the board. Uh, yeah. At least the, the other top executives at the company about mm-hmm. these recent uh, allegations and bits of information that have been coming out over the past week. And as they said uh, that he'd consider resigning if the countermeasures in place to combat the, the criminally toxic workplace culture didn't mm-hmm. fix the issues quote unquote with speed. Yeah. Which is like a very vague way to talk about it. So it's mm-hmm. like that could mean in years, in months, whatever, uh, I don't see any reason to expect that he's going to go away without kicking and screaming and taking other people down with him if he has to. Well, like I like I said last on uh, the last show, uh, some of the people on the board are directly connected to the scam that allowed Bobby Kotick to get a hold of Vivendi in the first place. So that's Been why that long enough, sticking. he could probably help pick out who's on the board. Yeah. That are also, he, last I checked, he also owns like a majority share in the company. Yeah. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, they can essentially tell him like, you can't vote on this stuff. Mm. Uh, when it comes to your ability to stay with the company. Mm. And so oh, no. that- it's like definitely the most bogus article I've read out of this whole saga. I mean, like, oh, yeah, you'll consider resigning if you can't fix the issues quickly. All of this happened under your watchful eye, sir. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so you can't consider resigning until you resign. Mm-hmm. So it's all pretty stupid. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, like, looking at this whole situation, and, and I know we'll talk about it in a little bit when we, when we get to Nintendo, but there, I, I, I can't remember for the life of me for... um. I can't remember a time where literally all three console manufacturers are talking shit about shit to your face. Like, mm-hmm. come on. You know? Yeah. And I sort of followed up this bit of insider news with uh, another thing of talking about how they have set up uh, a workplace responsibility committee, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, is a, a thing they thought so hard about that they announced this in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other day, uh, which I guess has uh, 
they've appointed the only two women on its 10 person board of directors to lead this committee. Mm. Uh, just show you like the, the state of their, their board of directors. Yeah. And, and that they will be leading this charge to add a new diverse uh, director to the board to join them. Mm. They have to hire somebody to add more diversity. Yeah. It's, so yeah. <sighs> it's more, just it's more a bullshit. disaster. Uh huh. So yeah, there's that. Uh, and the last thing we have here is sort of we talked to last week about how uh, Jim Ryan and Phil Spencer of Sony and Microsoft had sent out internal emails mm-hmm. about the the stuff going on with Activision yeah, and, yeah. Now uh, Nintendo has stepped up too. Um, well, specifically Nintendo of America. Yeah, not Nintendo of Japan. Uh, their president, Doug Bowser, had sent an email, uh, internal email, uh, addressing mm-hmm. this situation, saying, along with all of you, I've been following the latest developments with Activision Blizzard and the ongoing reports of sexual harassment and toxicity at the company. Mm-hmm. I find these accounts distressing and disturbing. They run counter to my values, as well as Nintendo's beliefs, values, and policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say they have been in contact with Activision and have taken action in our assessing others, no specific mention of what those are. Mm-hmm. I believe at some point they mentioned that they talked to the ESA about whatever they can do, which I don't know is very much other than, you know, wagging their finger. Because mm-hmm. uh, Activision is one of the companies that is on their board mm-hmm. and pay for them to exist, along with most of the other major publishers out there. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know that that part of it is uh, anyway noteworthy. Yeah, because they're just a lobbying group for the co- for the industry. Pretty much. So yeah, seems like yeah. Uh, all three companies probably going to minimize the amount of publicity and such they do for their games that they aren't already uh, mm-hmm. contracted to do. Yeah, at the very least. Hmm. So yeah, that's that's the Activision Blizzard news. Yep. Uh, for this week. But uh, let's get to something a bit more fun to talk about. Uh, the ever onward marching uh, legs of time. Making mm-hmm. sure that things you did not think were long ago are actually further back than you thought. Yeah. Uh, we got four consoles here that have hit either 20 years old or 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Xbox and the GameCube came out the same fall in 2001, mm-hmm. uh, helped launching the uh, the second and third legs of the PS2 generation. Mm-hmm. Though neither one would uh, make really much of a dent in that lead that the PlayStation would have. Mm-hmm. It was something like 150 to like about 25 million for each of the others. Yep. Uh, but not without uh, their own uh, quality games and such. The mm-hmm. uh, so, which of these consoles did you guys have? For the Xbox? Well, I had both of them, um, right. but I got I got the GameCube first, and between the two of them, um, the Xbox probably got the most mileage out of it. But the GameCube definitely had more memorable experiences with the few that I had 
because um, I got my GameCube uh, for, for Christmas the year it uh, came out, and I got uh, M- Smash Brothers Melee with it. Which, if you uh, if you comparing it to like the original Smash, like Night and Day, yeah, I mean the first. Don't get me wrong, the first Smash Brothers was a lot of fun. But whatever, you know, Smash Brothers succeeded in, Melee basically blew it out of the park. <laughs> um, it had, you know, more characters that you could play. It had better environmental design. It had uh, better collectibles. Um, it had an amazing soundtrack. Um its adventure mode in particular was loaded with all kinds of neat secrets and stuff, including, you know, being able to get Luigi. Um, and uh, the intermission areas where you're in the park and you can pick up trophies and stuff. It's There's that whole credit sequence where, you know, you're flying through and shooting at the credits. It's, it was amazing. Um, and of course, you also had Super Mario Sunshine, which I loved and I still love in spite of its flaws. Um, let's see, you also had uh, one of my favorite games that are still very much, uh, very much like a personal thing for me, which is Star Fox Adventures. Because, um, you know, it was a rare joint and it was actually like the last game that Rare made. For Nintendo before they got bought up by Microsoft. Um, and I think a lot of people probably know it was originally going to just be a, another standalone rare game called Dinosaur Planet that uh, about midway through development, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto saw a build of the game and he noticed that the lead character looked a lot like Star Fox and he said, hey, let's make this a Star Fox game. And so they kind of sort of clung clumsily inserted the Star Fox mythos into it. So much so that that game probably has one of the most infamously pulled it directly out of their ass final boss fights in gaming history. But, you know, everything else about that game, I love, you know, the world, the setting. I loved the gameplay. The soundtrack was great. The graphics in particular were very impressive for the time. Um, Especially the fur textures, those were amazingly elaborate for a system that you wouldn't think would be able to handle it. Um, but of course, you also had the Xbox, and the most memorable thing I can remember about the original Xbox is, uh, well, playing Halo. <laughs> um, because Halo basically cemented the first-person shooter as something you could actually play effectively on a console. Most people before that had GoldenEye on the N64, but going back and playing GoldenEye now, you realize that GoldenEye is really more of a limitation, uh, something we settled for when you compare it to something like Halo, which was absolutely amazing compared to it. Um, And, uh, you know, Xbox, you know, in general had a lot of... uh, great games going with it um it also had a lot of missteps too but uh you know i got a lot out of both systems how about you dan Reb? yeah uh that generation um i was a gamecube guy through and through um i was coming from the uh n64 and like brandon like melee was definitely my system seller 
Um, I remember going out with my dad uh, during the Christmas of, I believe it was 2000 or 2001, which every year Melee came out. And we went to like four malls and the GameCube was sold out everywhere we went. Um, and then eventually, like we went, we went out again to like Friday's Electronics in, in March and saw a pyramid of GameCubes available. So we bought a black one, bought the Mad, uh, bought a Melee with a Madden NFL 2002. And um, yeah. Me and my brother like played that played that shit like every day for months, and then uh, I remember being particularly annoyed, <clears throat> especially as someone like who understands the value of uh, money to their to their parents. This was when the GameCube dropped in price from two hundred dollars to one hundred and fifty dollars, and this happened a month after I bought it. So you know, eventually my parents found out they were pissed off about it, but like you know. That goes to show that you need to find a way to like be informed about everything with the gaming industry, and that's when I joined sites like GameSpot and GameFAQs and became a part of their communities. Like, if I didn't join those sites, I don't, I don't think I'm here um, at Smashpad, like you know, helping out with the site and whatnot. Um, but yeah, like the the GameCube was huge. Like the, the my favorite games on it, you know, like you know, you have Pikmin, Super Smash Brothers, Melee, you know, Sonic Adventure Two Battle. Like, I think through and through as far as diversity and what there was with the library um the gamecube was better than the xbox in that aspect but you know as we'll talk about with every generation nintendo has an installed fan base um they're gonna buy everything that they put out and like that's just the truth um but the main thing though is um since you know we saw microsoft buy rare that 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 generation um we saw nintendo pretty much have second place by a very 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 slim margin to xbox and like it just makes you wish that you know nintendo went ahead and copied a lot of mainstream ideas like um honestly there's no reason why nintendo had to like you know um be a hundred dollars cheaper than than the competition because they had the library to back itself up but the games just started to come out in um, less convincing ways you know for some reason they went with the mini discs instead of like a full dvd um, you know, they were working with Panasonic instead of Sony. And like, this is actually one reason why I'm really looking forward to that Xbox documentary coming soon, because um, I'm hoping that it'll shed some light on what actually happened with those Nintendo meetings. I know a few months ago, we talked about Nintendo laughing them out of the room, which makes sense if we're talking about an acquisition. But if we're talking about a partnership, you know, I probably wouldn't have done that. But and then, you know, Brandon mentioned like the significance of a game like Halo, which was, you know, revolutionary for first person shooters at the time and and then again you're you're coming from the N64 where they revolutionized the the, stayed the same genre of the golden knight so i'm like you know looking at both the gamecube and the xbox controllers aside from the duke the controllers were really really similar like there's no reason why the gamecube couldn't have done all the same stuff the xbox did especially since they were so close with uh visual and like um hardware power with the main difference being the xbox having xbox live but that didn't happen until halo 2 so you know it's it's just like a pure lesson as far as like um how the two organizations or you know first party companies really worked and understood the industry like we already knew that nintendo would dominate japan microsoft we, we, we didn't know that they'd they'd dominate you know the united states but they also made the european market significant like you know you have um a whole bunch of like european developers right now just you know totally kicking ass with every genre there is uh today so it just goes to show that you know just because you have one market cornered doesn't necessarily guarantee success 
with any other spot. And then, you know, we're not talking about them, but when, when you throw PlayStation into the equation, and they had all of those markets covered. And, you know, that's, that, that's really helped as far as, like, getting, to, getting them to where they are now. Uh, PS3 being a misstep, but they, they also managed to catch up at the end because they just have such a talented development um, house, and uh, that totally helps. But, yeah, like, looking at these, these memories, I remember just going to my friend's house, like, uh, behind me, you know, enjoying Halo and Halo 2, and I'm not even a first-person shooter guy, but I definitely recognize the fun had there. Played a lot of Burnout Three. That's a that's a franchise I wish the, my company would bring back. That would be nice. But yeah, like nothing but good memories of the two. Um, and it's it's also really nice like seeing the, the two coexist. Like having a game like Ori or Cuphead um, on the Switch when there were like you know full blown Xbox exclusives. Um, it's just totally a sign of where the game industry has headed within these last twenty years. So it's all like good memories there. Um, and honestly, like when when both of these companies thrive, it's just good for the industry in general, <clears throat> PlayStation included. Yeah, uh, for me, I had the PS2 at launch. That was kind of my thing there. Uh, did not get the GameCube until maybe uh, three years later, maybe two years later. Uh, mm-hmm. I played Wind Waker at a friend's house. Like, shit, I had to get a GameCube for this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially being the the first of the Zelda games that would catch my eye on that stuff, uh, just looks so damn good. Uh, played mm-hmm. so well, I was like, "Well, I have to uh, get this now." And there was that uh, Metroid Prime uh, was another big one that I really uh, had to check out, and Animal Crossing as well. That was something I definitely saw mentioned as like a N64 game. Initially, that's got pushed to being a GameCube release in the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that. I think I also got Super Mario Sunshine. Played that and was like, ah, oh, this sucks. Fuck it. Mm. Uh, got rid of that. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really do too much in the way of third-party stuff there. Uh, if I was going to get any of those games, it was going to be more on the PS2. Uh, for the few games there, that would have been considered uh but there were some neat little weird stuff on the gamecube like cubivore and some other stuff like that that was uh pretty neat little things there uh so that was uh, a lot of fun then i got into uh a good uh point where i was playing some import stuff mm-hmm. uh, uh early on in naruto's run they had uh, a couple of games out in japan uh, years before they would come out in the West, uh, the Naruto mm-hmm. Gekito Ninja Taizen games, which would come over as Clash of Ninja. Mm. Uh, three and four were the specific ones that I played with friends, uh, which were kind of more arena uh, fighting games. Uh, the uh, the fourth one uh, covered a bunch of the the later parts of Naruto. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the dude that had the the bone weapons, that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So those were a lot of fun, uh, though. I think eventually the the disc and all that they used for playing those imports were more of an issue that caused my GameCube to stop being able to read discs like 100% reliably. Mm-hmm. Uh, though by that point, I had a Wii, so I was able to move over uh, just fine enough for that. So, yeah, that's... uh 
kind of the the GameCube experience that I had. Uh, the Xbox I did not get until 2005. I had gone to E3 2005, had some spending cash uh, left over, and ended up just like I'll get an Xbox. Uh, even though the Xbox 60 would be coming out uh, sometime yeah. after that, but ended up just getting into the Xbox because I figured that was time to check that out mm-hmm. and at least dodge the bullet of getting like a, an early 360 that would probably get a red ring of death uh, problem mm-hmm. there. But uh played some cool games like Project Gotham Racing 2. Uh, that was sort of a, a phenomenal racing game, especially for the custom soundtrack stuff that it had. Mm-hmm. Or essentially all the, the music that you ripped to the to the hard drive, the internal hard drive, you could uh, have it play in like a custom made like radio station that it would have. Uh, would even remember like where you left off at the end of the last race and make that uh, kind of a more cohesive experience than would happen when they got rid of the, the idea of games having their own custom soundtrack stuff uh, implementations on the 360. They kind of threw all that stuff out of the uh, into the trash, you know. But <laughs> yeah, when I had the Xbox, it was on the the series or not the the S controller, the smaller mm-hmm. one. So that's kind of where I was at with that. Never tried the Duke. Remember getting Halo? Got to like the point where I was in the library, I think, and mm-hmm. kind of got lost track with that game there. So. Uh, I had some good games. Uh, I think I played, uh, what was it, NFL 2K5 on that, uh, which was an all right all right game. Uh, didn't really get into it too much, but uh, plenty of fun stuff on there. Played uh, Halo 2 multiplayer before they shut down Xbox Live yeah. on the original Xbox. And it was like the, had like a couple of good games, like, all right, we're having played none of this. Uh, that was uh, uh, a decent enough time, but yeah, that was uh, that was the Xbox. Didn't really have too many games on there. Did have like Voodoo Vince and the first Forza, which was a pretty different experience than what you would have by like three and four. But yeah, that's uh, that's the Xbox and the GameCube. So yeah, those are like twenty years old now. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. wild. But uh, the consoles that would follow them, the PS3 and the Wii, uh, turned mm-hmm. 15 as they came out in 2006. Uh, so, Brandon, what were your experiences with those two consoles? Uh, well, I got both of them. I'll tell you that my PS3 mileage out of it. <laughs> um, by a very sizable margin. Um, I think we all very much remember when the Wii first came out because if if you were alive then because the Nintendo Wii was not just a gaming console it was a cultural phenomenon um it was the first gaming console that really used utilized motion controls um you know to an extent um you know most games never really Mostly because people figured out after a while you just get kind of tired having to deal with them. Um, but like when the game first came out, you know, when the system first came out, it sold in 
insane numbers, mostly for the novelty factor alone. Um, a lot of people were playing it that, you know, weren't typically gamers, you know, old people, parents, um, mostly because, you know, you could very easily get a pretty good workout out of it, depending on what you were playing. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, the Wii Sports, you know, disc that came with it definitely also got a lot of mileage for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, you, you did have some good games on there. You had, uh, you know, Mario Galaxy 1 and 2 uh, were really good. You also had uh, yet another Smash Brothers game, didn't they? Yeah, you had yeah. Uh, uh, the other. Yeah, you had Brawl, which uh, was a good Smash game. Uh, the one issue being that it tried to sort of ham-fistedly create this long-winded campaign um, that they largely let fall by the wayside since the more recent Smash. Um, and you also had uh, stuff like um, you know Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Which, it, it's probably the one of all the major Zelda releases that gets the most mixed reviews, simply because of its utilization of the motion controls. Um, although, some of the puzzles in that game were some of the most entertaining I've ever encountered in the Zelda series. Um, but... You know, it, it became really clear pretty quickly that the Wii success petered out simply because it basically became the shovelware console. Um, all the, uh, uh, because the console had such a non traditional gaming audience, basically you had all these third rate developers, you know, pushing out shovelware that was just absolute garbage and it ended up oversaturating the entire system's library. Um and of course compared that to the P to the PS3 and well you had all the great stuff that went with it, you know. You had uh well I mean what didn't it have? <laughs> PS3 ended up lasting far longer than it had any right to be. Um but uh yeah that was pretty much my experience with the how about you, Dan Reb? Yeah, uh, that generation was a little weird. Um, the main thing I wanted, uh, you know, being a Nintendo guy, was, of course, the Wii. And, you know, as Brandon mentioned, you couldn't find one for the life of you. Um, I don't even remember when it was I got it. I was early in my college life, I believe. I remember wanting one since high school. But considering I couldn't find one, I was getting games like Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess on GameCube. But at the end of the day, like, it was actually, in my opinion, better on GameCube because you didn't have to deal with the motion bullshit. And um, now it's the rarer game to find, so I, I don't regret that at all. Um, but I remember, like, <clears throat> uh, eventually finding one at my local Game Crazy. Rest in peace, I love Game Crazy. Um, and yeah, I got that. I got uh, Smash Brawl. Wii Sports, of course, came with it. And I think I got Knights. And, uh, yeah, Knights really sucked on it. So, uh, yeah, you know, Brandon was talking about all the shovelware, and unfortunately, Knights was one of them. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, the Wii had a lot of, like, gems as well, but it also had a lot of crap on there. And um, this was also the first generation where I got everything, because, um, you know, I had a job and had money all of a sudden. So 
Uh, I got a PS3. Uh, PS3 was something I've wanted for a while, but I was also in the middle of college, so I didn't know like what I'd actually be fully playing. And that was where I discovered Uncharted. Um, I saw Uncharted uh, at my uncle's house. He was uh, playing like a lame guy because what he would do is he would hang off the ledge to avoid all the shots from the from the AI, and you know shoot and kill people from from um, hiding at ledges. And yeah, I adapted that strategy. Really enjoyed both Drake's Fortune and Among Thieves. And the PS3 I got was actually a fat one off eBay. And unfortunately, a few months after I got it, I got the Yellow Light of Death, and uh, you know that was that. Um, I already mentioned like what I did with the 360, and the 360 was my main third-party console. Like as far as Madden, 2K, that was the main platform I was playing that on. And yeah, like this generation is where. I would go as far as saying, like, I became unbiased. You know, if I wanted my strange Nintendo stuff, I had my Wii. If I wanted, like, you know, the up-and-coming uh, stuff with all the good uh, exclusives, I went PS3. If I wanted to play online with my friends, I had my Xbox 360. And, like, yeah, uh, that was all there for, for for where it was, and I was, like, really enjoying things at the time. But at the same time, that was also where I got a little crazy. That's where I started like, you know, overbuying games. I can go ahead and look at my shelf and see all the games that I haven't even opened. And yeah, that's where it sort of became a little problem, but I'm sure a lot of us at this age have the same problem. And, you know, I'm not saying it's a wrong thing, but it is something that we should really <laughs> start to gain control over. But, you know, that's not even on topic with the story anymore. So I'll uh, go ahead and stop digressing over there. But yeah, it's uh, totally been a fun time, and like all three of the consoles are have definitely, you know, managed to have their place in history in order to have their competition that they have now. Um, but one thing that uh, I take out of this generation is that's where uh, we started to see cocky Sony. You know, they dominated with both the PS1 and the PS2, and then the PS3 came out, and even though it wasn't at a distant third place. That was where we decided we started to see like some sort of uh, you know anti-consumer stuff. And granted, all three are guilty of the same crime, mm. but that's where the pattern of like you know being in the first place and all of a sudden being in last place, then the, the generation after started to come into come into effect. And mm. that's been the case like for the past few generations. So, um, I mean, Sony is lucky to see the PS5 continue to like sell like hotcakes, but eventually, once we get this chip shortage, um settled uh settled like who knows like where we'll be with that because xbox has made all sorts of pro-consumer decisions and i wouldn't be surprised to see like the switch even sell even better like next year just considering all they have to do is just start filling more oleds so you know uh we'll just have to see mm -hmm. yeah uh for me uh the wii was the first of the consoles of this generation that i got mm -hmm. uh, i got that at launch uh, because it was the cheapest of them all. It was the most uh, easily affordable one that I could get. Mm. Uh, and yeah, that was uh, it was an interesting system to kind of play around with because they did kind of have some uh, minor sort of multimedia stuff because you could put in an SD card that uh, you have pictures on it, but you also have videos. So uh, there's some programs I got to like, convert uh episodes of shows into like the format that the we would uh read that could then watch on my TV because streaming services weren't uh, a thing at this point uh even like mm -hmm. media streaming from your own PC wasn't really there at that 
point either. Uh, so that was kind of a, a neat thing. But yeah, the the system was sort of a a neat one to have uh, with Virtual Console to kick it off, do some uh, bring some old games into the limelight that they never really got at that point without having to you know pay full price on whatever platform it was on. Uh, you know when they did like the the Super Mario Advance releases on the Game Boy Advance, uh, mm-hmm. the GameCube, uh, Animal Crossing having that uh, like NES games that you could play in it. You could collect mm-hmm. little NES versions of those games to put in your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little weird stuff, but I remember trying uh, Mega Man. It's like I heard things about Mega Man. And be like, this game is fucking hard and kind of impossible. Mm. Uh, if you didn't have like the uh, the playground, you know, group of friends that could be like, oh, you should do this. This is the mm-hmm. order you should do them in. Me just being like, all right, here's a list of things. I have no clue what to do first. Mm. Uh, and they didn't really have safe states or anything. So like being able to like save at the at certain points to be like. Well, let me go try and see what I can do and, you know, try and error my way through. It. And it's like, I got fed up with it. And it's like this, fuck this game, playing it at least mm-hmm. in this way. Uh, same with like Ninja Gaiden on the NES being like, this game is fucking hard as hell. I don't, uh, it's neat to try it, but it's not really in a great form for new people to try it as far as having like safe states and rewind and stuff like that. So that was kind of that. Uh, but yeah, getting Twilight Princess and initially being very hesitant about it because it looks worse than Wind Waker. Uh, having the motion control stuff was fine. But then you mm-hmm. get to things like, oh, your your wallet for gems is super limited. Uh, so when you're in like the wolf form, you can dig up more gems. I'm like, what the fuck is the point? I'm already at you know, 200. I have to find something special, uh, some special items to do that stuff. Uh, so yeah, that game was like, ah, it's all right. Enjoyed a yeah. good bit of it, but there's plenty of it. That was kind of uh, frustrating, but then you get to like Wii sports, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other game? I got a raving Rayman's raving rabbits. I think it was a pretty cool sort of mini game collection for what it was. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, then they had some cool stuff kind of coming into it into that first year with uh Super Mario Galaxy, which was great. Uh, maybe the the one flaw is that they still had lives in that game for mm-hmm. some reason. And just whenever you quit the game and came back, you were sent back down to five lives. Even if you collected a bunch before you uh ended that session. Mm-hmm. Uh that kind of stuff, but I remember pre-ordering Metroid Prime 3, but never actually picking it up. Uh, so it was like weird stuff like that. But yeah, it was a system that kind of limped along the further it got because there just wasn't all that much in the way of interesting Nintendo releases mm-hmm. at a certain point. Uh, I think probably one of the last games I got was just that Kirby collection of, uh, you know, the, the Game Boy and NES games and I think up to like Kirby 64 that uh, was a really cool collection. Uh, and like Kirby's Epic Yarn, that kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. really awesome. Uh, 
But I never played Skyward Sword, didn't touch much in the way of third-party games. Like, one of the ones I uh, reviewed there was, like, the, the Dead Rising game. Where it's like, oh, this is Dead Rising, but they clearly, like, cut out most of the zombies because it can't run that many on the screen at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut out content and that kind of stuff. A lot of little weird games that uh, tend to be pretty cool, but yeah, it's uh, if you're getting like third-party adaptations, they were uh, oftentimes a worse experience most of the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, that's the Wii. Uh, yeah, I was trying to do some of that import GameCube stuff on the Wii until they patched it out. I was like, oh, this dream is dead. So. Mm. So much for that. But uh, let's see. The PS3, I got that uh, the summer after it launched when they did the price drop. Uh, so I could get the uh, the big old PS3 uh, with the like with the Amazon bundles. Like I uh, gave you a, uh, the Blu-ray remote. They gave you like five mm. Blu-rays with it. Like you could fill out a form to get a bunch more. Uh, as well as uh, probably a couple games, but that was the generation where the download stuff really became a big focus for me. Yeah. Uh, around that point, getting some cool games like uh, Super Stardust HD was around then. Flow came out uh, around then. Pixel Junk uh, Racers and Monsters would be coming out shortly mm-hmm. after I got the consoles. That's where indies kind of really started to get their shot to... Uh, make an impact and on ps3 uh, as well as xbla was kind of where uh, they all got the shine and eventually became more of a focus than even some of the big releases would be mm-hmm. uh really like the year where people considered uh journey and uh the walking dead season one for game mm-hmm. of the year honors amongst all the big names that were out there that kind of stuff where they became a really cool part of the the PS3 uh, with uh, seeing like what cool, interesting indie stuff was coming, what maybe revival stuff. And then they had the, the PS1 releases and all that, seeing what cool stuff could become available and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, uh, and the, the Sony stuff and third party stuff was also uh, really cool to see the, uh, that first year for Sony was actually a pretty good year for them because you had MotorStorm, uh, Warhawk, Uncharted, Ratchet & Clank Future, Tools of Destruction, Folklore, a uh, bunch of cool games there. Uh, Uncharted pushing story in a way that not many games did at mm-hmm. that point with the, the full performance capture and all that. Yeah, it was uh, probably, I think, the, the first... You know, obviously, graphically, um, when the original Uncharted came out, it looked amazing. Um, yeah. And a lot of people were, like, genuinely wondering, like, how Naughty Dog was going to be able to top, you know, the the stuff they'd done with Jack and Daxter at that point. Um, and uh, they basically knocked it out of the park in a game genre in a with a stylistically was so different from the games they had done up to that point. Um, yeah. And they managed to perfect a very intricate 
sort of traversal system that really did not exist at, at that point in time. Um, yeah. I mean, you had like a Prince of Persia reboot, you know, Sands of Time. Um, yeah. But some of the Tomb Raider stuff. Yeah. It also helped, you know, just that they really uh, took sort of the filmmaker's approach to the game because the not the uh, Uncharted games at their best are essentially uh, movies that are actually like playable. And, you know, even yeah. though that. It was really the set pieces that really made the series. Like, you know, like, we all talk about how visually astounding it was and how like, Naughty Dog really, you know, outdid themselves. But, like, like you said, Prince of Persia was pretty much the same thing. I mean, in, in some ways, it's almost better because Prince of Persia actually had wall running. Um, Uncharted doesn't, doesn't do any of that. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much Prince of Persia with a gun. And mm -hmm. that adds a lot. Uh, you know, you, you, also, you can say what you like, like cover shooting, but, you know, it was still fun. Yeah. Also, it was just well written. <laughs> you know, it was, you know, like it was, you had like characters that were actually pretty well rounded and the writing was legit funny and tense and suspenseful as well. So, yeah. Yeah. When I was uh, uh, looking back at some of this stuff, that was definitely uh, a really cool kind of game to have out there, mm -hmm. uh, especially just having like visual stuff. It's like, oh, you walked into the water and uh, the your pants got wet up to the level you were in the water, mm -hmm. and then after you know thirty seconds or so, it would start drying up. Yeah, it's like holy shit! It's not just like a, a you know, nothing happens, or maybe it, your pants get slightly darker. No. Nope. Uh, a few seconds before popping. You could actually see the water dripping off of like that was that was mind blowing at the time, you know? Yeah. And uh yeah, lots of lots of cool tricks like that. Uh yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun with that generation having you know, sort of at a certain point getting all the major games sort of releasing digitally uh, mm -hmm. As well as a lot of indie stuff, uh, definitely a, a fun time where you paid attention every week to see what was getting released. That yeah. uh, that would continue on with the next generation as everything was digital. Yeah, outside of a couple things, but yeah. Also, the PS3. Speaking of Naughty Dog, also got the last, of and uh, uh, yeah, that one pretty much knocked it out of the park. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And those were sort of the systems where you started getting streaming apps. Mm -hmm. The PS3 and we had to deal with the disc way to access Netflix streaming for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, that I still have those discs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, being able to do the the media streaming to the PS3 was great. I still use that to this day. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's probably the the best performing generation that we'll ever see mm -hmm. uh, every platform that came out did really well uh, it was almost like 500 million units between the, the PS3, Xbox 360, Wii DS and the PSP mm -hmm. which is ridiculous uh, to think about especially because the, the generation following that you had the, the Wii U and the 
the Xbox One that just did not do nearly as well as uh, their predecessors did. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I do want to give a shout out to like, you know, both the DS and the PSP. I mean, when I was in college, I didn't really have much time to play anything. The main thing that I was beating and finishing as soon as I got them was Uncharted. But like, I was I was doing most of my gaming on both the DS and PSP. PSP had the RPGs that I like to play, and then the DS was just, you know, ev- everything was available there, and like every game was like thirty, forty bucks, which was which made it more attractive to me than a lot of like its console counterparts. I had a lot of fun with games like Elite Beat Agents, um, you know, the, the the Fire Emblem games that were there, a whole lot of the Final Fantasy remakes, like yeah, like the the, the DS and PSP definitely. Um, were there for some good years for me. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a good generation of games where you kind of couldn't go too wrong with any of the platforms. You got uh, maybe the Wii if you were expecting that to be super relevant, like 2011, 2012, there towards the end of its lifetime. Mm-hmm. But then they put out the Wii U and then suck it further. Yeah. Despite the the good games they did have. There was a lot that just was kind of unbaked, not fully baked there. Uh, mm-hmm. Needed more time, and they didn't have it because the Wii was nope. drying up fast. Yeah. They needed something to compete with the PS3 and Xbox 360, and then the following year they put out the Xbox One and the PS4 to kind mm-hmm. of make that uh, distinction even bigger. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the the big anniversaries that happened here over the past uh, few weeks or so. Uh, mm-hmm. Four major consoles in this industry's history uh, popped up, and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun stuff on all of them. So I think that'll do it for the show this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with another uh, slate of news. Hopefully, some more substantive news. Uh, to go from though we will be approaching the uh, the game awards uh, mm-hmm. which uh, we will be co-streaming here uh, I just filled out the, the email for being official co-streamers for that so next Thursday we'll definitely mm-hmm. be doing that I think that is I was trying to look up the exact time it started and I can't tell if it was like Here's when the pre-show uh, starts, and the 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 main show starts later, but it's saying like 7:30 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, that seems early. Uh, I don't know, but uh, that is. Uh, I'll double check what's going on there. We'll probably go live around then. Uh, mm-hmm. If it is pre-show stuff, we'll probably just wait. Yeah, until they get closer, but. Yeah, that is uh, uh, going to do it for this week as we sort of get here to the later parts of the year. Might be doing some more just uh, discussion stuff rather than just straight news. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, it's the holiday season. They're all, we got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, and there's not too many more opportunities for big news. No, not uh, really. I've- Outside of the Game Awards, so we'll see how that stuff goes. Yep. But, yeah, thank you to Brandon and Dan Red for joining this week. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. 
if you enjoy the show, feel free to let uh, friends and family know uh, and select strangers and enemies and mm-hmm. see if uh, see if we can get some more fun here. Uh, fun people to join us and listen and have uh, a good time. But yeah, thank you everybody for uh, listening. Hope you have mm-hmm. a good uh, week ahead and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.